This is the big finale of our series, week number six uh, of our SWAT series, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics. So we've been looking at the armor of God and, and realizing and recognizing uh, really that God wants us to be victorious and he's given us these tools, this equipment if you will, uh, called the armor of God that we need to put on every single day uh, to, to really conquer and overcome everything the enemy throws at us and to really fulfill every plan and purpose that God created you and me for. Uh, Welcome Valley family, big shout out to our Poughkeepsie campus, uh, especially all those shifters that that have gone up there uh, to make room for more people here at our Hopewell campus. We really appreciate you serving the Lord, really, by serving the Valley family, making room here in Hopewell. And also just want a big uh, shout out to our online campus, literally three to 400 devices every single week uh, logging on to keep up with us. And I know with spring break coming up and that sort of thing, uh, we just love the ability we have because of technology that folks don't have to really miss out because they're not here physically on a Sunday. So uh, love our tech staff and, and our online campus there. Uh, no doubt about that. And do want to mention Good Fridays coming up. We have two Good Friday services, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock at our Hopewell campus right here. We'll, we'll have a time of worship, uh, a message focused on the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus. And then as a Valley family, we're going to be sharing communion together. Invite you to come out for that. We have also uh, our great kids ministry on Friday night. And then don't forget Bardavon in Poughkeepsie uh, at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock Easter Sunday. Make sure to get your tickets if you haven't yet. You need to bring them. Every single person uh, that is going to take a seat uh, needs to have a ticket to get in, and they're going fast. So uh, we're really, really excited about it. In fact, uh, we had a repairman at our house this week, and my wife just invited him right there and explained the whole thing. And he said, my wife and I and our kids, we've been looking for a place to come, uh, to go to, rather, on Easter. And uh, you may just see us there after all. So uh, invite your friends and family members. Well, quick review, really, where we've been. Uh, this is week number six uh, in our series. We're going to finish it off. Ephesians chapter six, verse 11. I encourage you to go ahead and open up your Valley app if you have that because we're going to look at a lot of stuff as always that I think you're going to want to look back on uh, and even have a prayer at the end of this message of how we can every day put on the armor of God. You'll only find that on your Valley app. Ephesians chapter six, verse 11. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God. In other words, don't leave any parts out and notice it's the armor of God. It's not the armor of grace. It's not the armor of valley. It's not even your armor. We looked at that last week with the helmet of salvation that in the book of Isaiah it says God put on the helmet of salvation and basically he's handing it then to you. He's handing it to me. So put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. That's what he wants us to do against the devil's schemes. And we say this all the time. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, but he's not the only one that has a plan and purpose for your life. Satan, our enemy, the devil, also has a plan. And and Jesus said in John 10, 10, that plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, and that life would be more abundant. So we need to take a stand against the devil's schemes. And then you just drop down a little bit further into Ephesians chapter 6, and then it describes this armor that we've been looking at in this SWAT series. Stand firm then, there it is again, take a stand. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And we talked about this is not just for fashion. uh, This is for function. The belt of truth that strengthens our core. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's got to be at the core of our life, the center of our lives. And so put the belt of truth on first. What is truth? What God says about any and every subject. 
If God's expressed an opinion about it, that's what the truth is. And so we need to put on that belt of truth. And with the breastplate of righteousness, what does that mean? That I'm holy and blameless before God, not because of what I've done, but everything because of what Jesus has done. And I put on that holiness, I put on that breastplate of righteousness, and that protects my heart, protects your heart. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, that's putting on the boots of peace. That that's how we stand. We've got to have the right footwear on. And that footwear, when we're going to battle, you know, you can't have flip-flops. You've got to have the boots of peace. And Jesus said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And, and so peace is a really huge part. You've got to have the right footing. That's the boots of peace. And then it goes on and it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. And, and we can't leave it on the ground. We need to take up that shield of faith to really... Which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The Bible says the just will live by faith. Those who are right with God, they live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the scripture says. So we need to take up that shield of faith. And then it says take up the helmet of salvation. We talked about this last week. Uh, what is salvation? Why is that so important? And uh, if you missed it, I encourage you to to uh, look back on those messages. They're all on your app there, your Valley app, or on a Valley website. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, this is kind of interesting because here, the sword of the Spirit, this is the only one that has a, a defining phrase afterwards. In other words, it says, this is exactly what the sword of the Spirit is. It's the Word of God. And that's what we're going to talk about. You know, I'm so thankful that, that the Holy Spirit, when he was inspiring the words of Paul to write these words, he didn't leave this vague and ambiguous, because I think people would have kind of gone nuts if it, the sword of the Spirit, like, ooh, and it's some abstract, weird, spooky, you know, goosebumps, uh, this kind of thing, spooky, spiritual. He says, no, what is the sword of the Spirit? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Too, too many Christians want to elevate spirit stuff over the Word. And we find right here, they go in tandem, they're not to be divided. The sword of the Spirit is what? Not spooky, spiritual, head in the clouds, it's the Word of God. That's what the sword of the Spirit is. And, and so as Paul was under house arrest, he, he's literally looking at a Roman centurion, and he's describing as an analogy, as the Holy Spirit is giving him insight, and he goes, that's the way I want my people to do spiritual battle. And so let's look at it even, uh, a picture of what this would look like. There it is, Roman centurion, the helmet, breastplate, we've got the belt on up underneath there. Uh, we've got the uh, shield of faith. Of course, the boots of peace are also on. And there's the sword of the Spirit. And I actually have a, a sword right here. How about that bad boy right there? That, that's called a gladius. Uh, and uh, this is pretty significant to me, uh, this sword. This sword was actually given to me uh, by my, my pastor, uh, one of my spiritual papas, uh, Ron Cottle, uh, when he actually transitioned the network uh, that he had founded uh, in 2005 over to me in 2015. Actually, next week, it'll be uh, April the 14th, uh, will be four years since uh, he handed me this sword, literally, as a symbol uh, of uh, passing the baton to me. And, and that's what's now known as Conexus uh, Leadership Network. And, and I love this. This is very much a model of the gladius that would be used. Uh, and uh, you may have seen this before, you know, maybe in the movie Gladiator or, or something like that. Are you not entertained? 
Are you not? See, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Ooh, I didn't cut my ear off or anything like that. So that's good stuff right there. But uh, I've been practicing that in the mirror for weeks leading up to this message. Really have. Ooh, all right. All right, kind of get my breath again. All right, so anyway, so the gladiator, this is the sword of the Spirit. And this is what he's talking about. And, and I wish you could feel this, really, the weight of this. And I have to be careful because if I drop this, it's, it's not going to stick in my foot. It's going to go through my foot. Uh, it's got more weight on it than you would imagine. And, uh, and, and, and this is uh, the sword of the Spirit has that explanation. Again, it's the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. The Word of God. And so what, what do we mean, what do Christians mean when we say the word of God? You know, I think it's important that we, we explain this. There's three words in the Bible that is used for the word of God. And, and so let's look at this, uh, the, these three words, because each of them kind of brings out uh, something important about the word of God. Uh, uh, first of all is the word graphe, the Greek word graphe, and what it means is the words on the page. So literally... The graphe, you might be able to see that there, that's the words on the page. That's the graphe, the literal, this word after this word, the grammar, all that. That's, that's considered the word of God. And in Greek, it uses that word, uses that Greek word to explain the word of God, the ink, the paper, literally the book. And uh, so if you have a Bible, Okay, if you have a Bible, as much as we like to use the app, I always bring my Bible as well because there's something about even seeing it. And, and I encourage you, if you don't have a physical Bible, go out and buy one. Uh, you know, you can get them pretty cheap uh, for sure. Um, but but this, we have access to the Scripture, to the literal words on the page in our language that we can understand. This is how we know the Word of God, graphe. But that's not the only word. Then there's another word, and that's logos. The logos, and that is the message of the graphe. In other words, as we read the words, it's what is that saying to us? What is that speaking to us? What is the message? So once you have a book, then you read the book, and you get the message of the book. That's why we need to study the Scripture, to get what? The message of of the book, and you begin to understand really what it means when, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where the Bible says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, there it is, sharper than a double-edged sword, it, this is cool, pointer, uh, it, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, that's what God's word is right here. This is why, could I put it this way? This is why it's so important to read God's word because it's sharper than a double-edged sword. A book about God's word is not sharp like that. It doesn't have that same sharpness. And, and, and I don't think anything is a substitute for God's word. I don't think a podcast is. I, I, I don't think watching videos and all that. There's nothing like opening God's word, a double-edged sword. And why? Because it's alive, it's active, it's not stale at all, and, and it's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit. God's Word shows us what's really motivating our lives, what's really happening. We find that in God's Word. And it also divides the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. 
why we do what we do. That's God's word that does that. That's the logos that does that. The double-edged sword of God's word. And so that's the second God's word reads our thoughts, it reads our attitudes, it helps us to understand what our thoughts are, which ones are from God and which ones are not, and, 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 and it's the thoughts that, that it identifies thoughts that are draining and corrosive as well, and then it reshapes us and it reworks those thoughts and those attitudes into thoughts that please God. But that's not the only word, those aren't the only two words, then there's a third word, there's a third word, neither of those two words, not uh, graphe or logos, are used in Ephesians 6. When it says the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, there's a third word. Now this third word is pretty interesting. But first you have to understand, graphe, the words on the page, logos, the message of the words on the page, and then the word rhema, rhema. And this means the personal spoken Word of God. That's what it says in Ephesians 6. The sword of the Spirit, the rhema of God. Now what's the rhema of God? The personal spoken word of God. This is when you hear scripture being taught and you feel like, you know, man, it's just speaking directly to me. I, I can't tell you how many times over the years when, when someone has said, you know what, I was sitting there in a service on a Sunday and I felt like you were just talking to me. Well, no, that, that's not Greg. That's the rhema of God. That's, that's when it just becomes so personal that you realize God's taking his logos, he's taking, or rather, his graphe, the words on the page, and he's taking his logos, which is the meaning of those words, and he's driving those, the sword of the Spirit, that rhema, into our hearts. And it feels like, you may be in a room full, you might be in the theater right now, uh, at Regal Cinemas, but you feel like you and I are having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. That's God's rhema word. That's what rhema is. And that's what the sword of the Spirit is. The scripture feels as though the Holy Spirit gives his sword to us to use against also, not just in our own lives, but to use against the enemy to pinpoint with pinpoint precision aimed at, at, at the heart of our enemy to, to really destroy his work in our lives. It's not meant to, when we hear God's word, you know, God's word, the sword of the spirit, God's word, it's not meant to, to kill us, it's meant to conform us to the image. It's more like it, when, when it's God's word in my life, let me put it this way, it's like a surgeon's scalpel. Sometimes it cuts to bring healing. But then we have the sword of the spirit that we need to use to attack the enemy, to, to ward off his attack. Now that's not a scalpel, I'm glad we're not going into battle with a scalpel that you got to get two inches away from a person to use. No, we've got the gladius. That's literally the name of this type of sword, the gladius. The rhema of God's word. And so those are the three understandings when we talk about what is God's word. And, and uh, I'm sure that the whole idea of rhema, you've experienced that uh, at one time or another, maybe even right now, uh, here at Valley. You know, this is how the rhema of the rhema works in our lives when you have the graphe which is the scripture 
and, and you're grounded in the logos, which is the meaning of the scripture, it sets you up to receive the rhema, where God has a specific and a particular word for you in your situation and in your circumstance. Now, again, I've had people come up, and, and I think every preacher who's really doing what he's supposed to do uh, has heard people say this, you know, how did you know? It was like you were reading my mail. No, I wasn't reading your mail. Holy Spirit was. Sometimes you hear people say, it's like the words just jumped off the page. That's, that's a rhema. When we're reading God's word and it seems like it just jumps off the page. Maybe we've read that passage, you know, 10, 20, 30 times. But all of a sudden, psh, it comes alive. That's the rhema. And it speaks to that specific circumstance. And so when you open up your Bible, could I put it this way? When you open up your Bible, what you're doing is you're unsheathing your sword. See, the sword doesn't do you any good when it's in the sheath, but when you open up your Bible, you're drawing your sword. You're unsheathing your sword. That's why it's so important. This doesn't help us in spiritual warfare, keeping our sword sheathed all the time. That doesn't help us at all. Might look good, you know, style points, but that's, that's not going to give you spiritual victory. It's time to unsheathe unsheath your sword and i just broke mine how about that uh the piece came just flying off there unsheath your sword turn to somebody right now and say unsheath your sword unsheath your sword don't don't leave your sword in the sheath and so uh, maybe you're uh maybe you're a guy and and you're daily battling against uh keeping your thoughts pure and uh you're, you're we live in a, a sexually saturated culture and you're bombarded with daily temptations all the time. But instead of taking the bait, it's time to unsheath your sword. And so the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, tells us this. Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your Word. It gives us the sword of the Spirit. God's Word. God's Word. That's how you, you counterattack all those fiery darts, lustful thoughts, in there. God's word. How are we going to stay pure? By living according to God's word. God's word. As the days go on, uh, maybe, maybe you're at lunch and, uh, you know, the guys are like, hey, let, let's go out, you know, happy hour and uh, everybody starts drinking way too much and, and all that and you're surrounded by temptation. It's time to unsheath your sword. Unsheath your sword. Again, go back to, to God's word. What does is, what is the sword of the spirit, the word of God say? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others have experienced. You will never, ever face a temptation in this life, someone else that's not common to all of humanity. You're not the only one. I'm not the only one. But look at what the Bible says. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand it. Oop, did you hear that? What? That means every time that you give in to temptation, I give in to temptation, we said, no, God, I don't want your power. We say no to the power of God because there's no temptation he'll ever allow you to face that he won't give you the ability to stand, to resist. Every time I take that step away from God's power and I give in to temptation, I'm saying no to God's power. He will not allow you to be tempted above more than you can stand. People say all the time, oh, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, you could. With God's power, you absolutely could. That's the truth of God's word. 
When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Notice what it says. He'll show you a way out. Some translations say a way of escape. In other words, run. Run from it. Run in the opposite direction. And so this is what the Bible says. Unsheath your sword. This is how a Christian does daily battle and defeats the enemy when we're attacked. Don't leave your sword in the sheath. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And, and part of the enemy's strategy, watch this now, is to separate you and me from God's Word. Do anything you can to keep us from getting involved, getting into God's Word. He wants to knock the sword out of your hand because he knows if he can knock the sword of God's Word out of your hand, he's going to be successful and he's going to defeat you. So last week, you know, as we talked about the, the helmet of salvation, God rescued us from the power of sin. That's what salvation is all about, from the power of sin, from the power of death, from the power of darkness. We're rescued from the power of the enemy because Jesus came and he destroyed those works of the enemy. But he'll do everything he can to disarm you and me from, from the sword, to knock the sword out of our hands. And so, three ways that the enemy tries to disarm you and disarm me. And, and you know, part of the battle, winning the battle, is understanding what the strategy is. So I want to give you a three-pronged strategy to understand how the enemy tries to knock the sword out of my hand. Tries to knock the sword out of your, your hand. Trying to disarm you. There's three key ways that he tries to disarm you and he tries to disarm me. So let's look at them. The first one is this, and you'll see this in your notes, Bible breakdown. Bible breakdown. You know, he'll begin to whisper things in your, in your mind, thoughts like this. Well, this book, you know, the Bible, it's thousands of years old. Uh, we live in a completely different world today. I mean, how could it really be relevant? You know, uh, it's hard to get into. It seems a little boring sometimes. All to just break down the value of the Bible in your life, in my life. He's trying to disarm you. He's trying to disarm me. How's it really any different from the Quran or uh, Hindu Vedas or, or how's it any different than Harry Potter? He's trying to disarm you from the power of God's word. While there are a lot of things in the scriptures that, that have in common, you know, maybe with, with the Bible, with other scriptures, why is it really God's word and the other's aren't why did what makes it really stand out well think about this he's trying to disarm you but just a few things about the bible i think are important to understand the bible old testament new testament made up of 66 different books which were written on three continents in three different languages by over 40 authors over the course of 1500 years and yet there's incredible continuity throughout the scripture only God could do that. Only God could do that. Forty different authors, 1,500 years, all pointing to one person, and that is Jesus Christ. The, the Bible, the Bible, the Scripture, the Bible alone, the Scripture, is the story of God rescuing and restoring His people. And the way that He does that is not through you trying to be a better person. Not by you, you striving harder. It's through sending his son. That God loved you and God loved me and only Christianity 
puts this truth forward. God loved you so much, he died for you. You don't have to earn his love. God loves me so much that he died. The creator died and sacrificed himself for the creation. Only Christianity makes that claim. Only Christianity makes that claim of a loving God. A loving God who dies for his creation. The Bible talks about real people. It talks about real places. It can be verified historically. What you're reading most every time you're reading something in the Bible, it's based on eyewitness accounts. Almost all, not all of it, but almost all of it. Particularly when it comes to the New Testament, eyewitness accounts of what actually happened that would hold weight, carry weight in a court of law because of so many eyewitnesses that testify to the facts. And so that's the first thing that, that our enemy wants to do to disarm us from the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is Bible breakdown. The second thing is what I call Bible buffet. Bible buffet, where we just pick and choose like we're at, you know, uh, Golden Corral buffet. Oh, I want a little of this. I, I don't want a little bit of that. Oh, man, I want that chocolate, you know, fountain. I'm going to put, you know, we, we just choose what we want. And, and so this is where we like a verse about God plans to prosper us and give us a hope and a future, but I don't like ones about those whom God loves, he disciplines. That's New Testament stuff right there. Hebrews, God, those whom God loves, he spanks, he disciplines them. And, and Hebrews says, if, if God doesn't discipline you, you're not really a child of God. Don't, don't always see that on the refrigerator. We don't like to put that up there. And, and so this, this Bible buffet, here's what God's word says about itself in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, says all Scripture, not some Scripture, not just the ones that, that we put into a graphic and post online, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful. How's it useful? To teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when, we're, uh, when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right? All of Scripture is, all of Scripture is inspired by God. I, I heard someone say one time, listen, the most important Scriptures are not what your favorites are, it's the ones you don't read. Those are the most important Scriptures. I heard this too, and I don't know how they came up with this, but they said, most Christians, I read this study, most Christians, uh, there's about 35% of Bible knowledge that they know, they know is there, they understand it, but they refuse to live it. Most Christians, there's 35% gap between what we know God's word says and what we're like, nah, I'm not gonna do that. 35%. And so that's just Bible buffet where we're just picking and we're just choosing instead of all scripture is inspired by God. That's why, that's why here at Valley Christian Church, our whole approach to preaching is topical. Because if you just go verse by verse through the scripture, there's huge, huge portions of scripture that it'll take you seven years to get to a certain topic. But instead, we take a topic, and what does this say? All throughout scripture. What does this say? What's the picture here? Genesis through Revelation. That's why we jump around a lot to take what is God saying? 
a big picture instead of just zeroed in. Even as we've, we're doing a series, and we're basically looking at four or five verses, but unpacking them through this series, bringing in all of these other supporting scriptures. Because all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God, not just parts of it. And it's useful, and it helps to correct us, and it helps to show us where we're living wrong and what we really need, need to do right. How much scripture? All scripture. You can't embrace one part of scripture without embracing another part. We take all of the scripture, the parts that we like, and the parts that we struggle with as well. We need all of it in order to completely function as Christ followers. The parts that we leave out are the parts that is a deficit and is deficient in my life and your life. And the final way that the enemy tries to disarm us is uh, maybe you've experienced uh, maybe you've experienced this before. Uh, not not only does he Bible breakdown and Bible buffet, but maybe you've experienced a Bible basher. How many of you have ever experienced a Bible basher? Someone that just wants to, you know what, they're a Christian and they feel like their sole purpose is to bludgeon you to death with God's word. Like God made them the defender of all that is right and holy in the world and they're just going to bludgeon you to death. They, they cause pain to other people because they take it on themselves. I'm here to point out what's wrong in your life. A Bible basher. Uh, Did you know the enemy can actually use you and me to hurt other people with the scripture? He can. That's what a Bible basher is. And and, uh, it's a person that that they don't want to bring freedom to people. They they really don't want to uh, uh, help someone out of a struggle that they're in. Uh, they, they don't want to heal, they want to control, they want to set themselves up as an expert, and, and throughout history, Satan has used people, just like that, Bible bashers, to twist God's word. The Bible has incorrectly, let me make that clear, incorrectly been used to justify slavery, incorrectly been used to justify sexism, still is today, by the way, a lot of churches, you know. It's great, but only a woman, uh, uh, only a man can can ever teach out of the Bible. A woman cannot justify sexism rampant in the Christian church in America, especially. And also, the the, the Bible has been used to justify racism. All incorrect interpretations of the Bible. Bible bashers. Bible bashers. And, and then there are those, and I'm not just talking about pastors, I'm talking about, I mean, some, some just general Christians, some mean as rattlesnakes. You, you know, they, they feel like they're morally superior, and they need to set everyone straight with their smug, self-righteous wisdom that they post online all the time. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Really? Really? How come when, whenever I read that, I don't feel freedom, and I don't feel drawn to God more. I, I feel more guilt and condemnation. That's a Bible basher. The Spirit, God's Word, brings life. It brings life. Doesn't, doesn't, can I put it this way? It doesn't cut us down. I, I think there are many uh, wrongly motivated Christians in this world, that are really Bible bashers. They take joy out of cutting other people down because they feel morally superior as a result of it. 
And you need to understand something. The enemy, <laughs> as a Bible basher, is just using you to really knock the power of God's word out of your hand as you're turning it on your brothers and sisters. Don't be a Bible basher. Don't be a Bible basher. So here's one of the things I think we need to do when it comes to the sword of the Spirit. We need to memorize Scripture. I encourage you to, to, to memorize Scripture. This is the practice that Jesus had mastered. Think about it when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness right after his baptism, 40 days, 40 nights of fasting. And isn't it interesting, we've talked about this, mentioned this before, on the 40th day when, when he was starving, that's when the enemy came to tempt him. And he tempted him three different ways. The enemy said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Tempted his hunger. You know, starving after 40 days of fasting. Then he said, if you're the son of God, jump off the building and the angels are going to catch you, won't they? If you're the son of God. If you're the son of God, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. And what did Jesus do? Jesus responded, with the sword of the Spirit, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word, God's word, rhema, that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written, in other words, he is quoting scripture, do not test God. It is written, worship God alone. He goes to the word. Jesus unsheaths his sword in the face of temptation. Now think about that for just a minute. I know I just keep putting it up, picking it up and putting it down, but think about this. If Jesus, in the face of temptation, unsheathed his sword, fully man and fully God, what makes you and I think we can keep ours in the sheath and be victorious? If Jesus, who was God himself, he was like, it is written. Why would I, Greg Williamson, think I can keep my sword in the sheath and overcome temptation? I, I, I'm living in a fool's paradise if that's the case. There's no way. And I'll be defeated every single time. Jesus said, it is written. Now, that being said, how do you know it is written unless you know what's written? I think that's an important question. How do you know it is written until you know what's really written? What is really in God's word? That's why I encourage you, we need to memorize it. We need to memorize God's word. In fact, I want to give you uh, uh, just real practical how you, if you're saying, man, I want to learn more God's word, I want to give you a real practical tool we're real excited about. It just launched just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we'll put that up on the screen. That's Connexus Bible Institute, Connexus Leadership Network that I'm the president of, and uh, it's actually going national in June to all coast to coast. Real excited about that. But we also launched in connection with Connexus Leadership Institute. Connexus Bible, uh, Connexus Leadership Network, Connexus Bible Institute. And there's the website, connexusbible.institute. You'll see a, a link for that at the bottom of your app on Valley, uh, your Valley Christian Church app on the notes for today. Connexus Bible Institute, over 300 courses already right now available to you at, at a fraction of the cost. Three credit course, $180, which includes the textbook, the videos, the syllabus and all the exams graded, 180 bucks. 
Just absolutely phenomenal. I'm actually one of the instructors. I teach two classes. I, I have been teaching in, in uh, uh, Connections Bible Institute, really, uh, in, in that online school uh, that, that's behind that where all these resources come from. I've been teaching there since 2001. And uh, getting God's Word down into our heart. So I encourage you to check that out. Download the catalog. Uh, we're here to help, answer questions, but if you want to just drill down deep and knowing what is God's Word all about, many of our marketplace and business leaders, they told us that, you know, I, I want to share my faith, but I don't feel real confident in my knowledge of the Scripture. That's why we worked hand-in-hand with Christian Life School of Theology, where I got my, both my master's degrees from, my doctorate degree, and an honorary doctorate degree from as well, uh, and, and, and we branded it now Connexus Bible Institute, all on online extraordinary christian education uh at a fraction of the cost and, and so we're real excited about putting that in your hands valley family and for anybody anywhere really that, that can begin to take classes certificates associates bachelors all the way through graduate level uh and, and understand god's word because here's the thing how can you stand against the enemy unless you know what's written how can you stand against the enemy unless you know what's really written and so, memorizing the Bible, understanding it, it is really kind of tough. But let me encourage you, start memorizing Scripture. In fact, memorize Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God. We've, we've talked about this already for six weeks. It won't be really, really hard for you at all. In fact, in a minute, I'll show you a good way how you can memorize it. But let me encourage you, when you're memorizing Scripture, use... Uh, there's a couple versions that are a little easier to memorize. I encourage you, if you're going to memorize Scripture, don't, don't, memorize, don't try to memorize Scripture from a, a real kind of a paraphrase. Uh, or uh, you, you want to go for a real translation like New King James Version or, or even ESV, English Standard Version, because the grammar and some of those words there, it actually is easier to memorize because it kind of has a poetic flow to it because it follows more the, the Greek grammar. Uh, than say the New Living Translation or in, even the NIV, which is a dynamic equivalent, and all those things that I'm talking about, paraphrase, dynamic equivalent, literal translation, all these things, you, you'd understand what those are. Do Connexus Bible Institute, but just take my word for it. Uh, it's easier, so much easier to memorize. I've never owned a King James Bible, but it's crazy how much scripture I have memorized in my mind that is King James, because it's just, just hearing it, just hearing it over and over, it's easier to memorize it because it's more like a poetic, you know, and, and think about, well, I don't have time to do that. Well, let me ask you a question. H how many of you memorize lyrics to music? <laughs> how many of you memorize meaningless sports statistics? You need to free up some capacity <laughs> and, and memorize the scripture because that's the sword of the spirit, God's word. Because think about it, memorize something eternal. When it comes to God's word, sword of the spirit, he cuts us not to kill us, but to conform us to the character of Christ. He cuts us. It's like a sur sur surgeon's scalpel. Not to hack away. That, that's, the, that's the Bible bashers hacking at us. Jesus doesn't come. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to hack away at you. He cuts us not to kill us, but to conform us to the character of Christ. That's the power of God's word. Now, I, I want to encourage you this too. We don't have time to go into it, but the next few verses 
uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about praying in the Spirit, and, and it's pretty interesting. Verse 18, 19, 20 there. He already told us what the Spirit is. What is it? It's the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. I've heard so many times this is lifted out of the context of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, that tells us that what is the sword of the Spirit? It's the Word of God. When we pray God's Word, we come into alignment with what God's already said. And so let me give you an example of this. I encourage you in the morning just, just to kneel down and, and to pray. And I, I, I kind of put the armor of God into a prayer for you. So let's go ahead and put that up. I, I just encourage you in the morning, just take a minute and just kneel down and pray. God, I put on the belt of truth today. Help me to stand on your truth. God, I, I put on the breastplate of righteousness because of Jesus Christ, I'm holy and I'm blameless. I, I put on the boots of peace to take the ground away from the evil one. I take up the shield of faith. I put on the helmet of salvation to thank you, and I thank you, God, for your salvation. And finally, I take up the sword of the Spirit. I unsheath the sword of the Spirit, your word, to do battle with the evil one today and to be victorious. See, when, when, when you and I pray God's word, God moves. Why? Because God's word is his word, and it's a double-edged sword, and it releases power in our lives. So I encourage you, pray this prayer. It's right in your app notes right there. And begin to pray this on a regular basis. Memorize God's word. Consider getting involved with Connexus Bible Institute or, or, or one of our groups that's launching that's a Bible study focus group. Because if we don't know what is written, how are we ever going to say when the enemy tempts us, it is written? It's so important. And so putting all of this armor of God, we don't want to leave the sword of the Spirit at home. We want to put on all the armor of God. Well, I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? And let's pray as we conclude this series, SWAT, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this series. I thank you, Lord, for the weapons that you have given to us. Lord, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the boots of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and Lord, the sword of your spirit, your word. Lord, may we never leave home. May we never think we can face a day without being suited up in your armor. And Father, thank you that we can overcome anything that we ever face, any challenge, any trial, any temptation we ever experience in this life as we suit up with the armor, your armor, that you have given to us. May we unsheath your sword this week, the sword of your word, and do battle because we know it is written. Your word has a double edge to it. And Lord, may we also walk out your word that we already know from this day forward and close that gap 
between what we know and how we live. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity, if you're here in the hearing of my voice and you've never taken that first step of faith before of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity to just open your heart up and repeat a, a prayer uh, of, of declaration and salvation after me and receiving forgiveness of sin, not because you'll ever be good enough to earn it or deserve it, none of us are, but because it's a gift that God wants to give you because of his son's sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead. So if you've never done it before, open your heart up right now and repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And I ask you, Jesus, lead me, guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward. And I will follow you. Amen.